we're going to begin to talk about truth this morning. And um, and what, there's something else I really value about this is that it's so important for us to remember as people of faith, as sons and daughters of God, that this message that we carry, the things that we do, the things that we, whether we teach, preach, God shows us something in the word, he speaks to us however he does, it is so important to realize, like the song we, that we sang this morning, that like, even when I don't see it, you were working. How many caught that part? You know, and that's a core value that I latched on to at some point. You know what a core value is, is where it's where there's a, it's a belief that is deep enough inside of you that it actually affects the entire way you process and live out your life. And it's important that our core values, everybody has core values. Everybody does, whether they know about it or not. And and it's so important that our core values are founded in truth because you're going to live out of your core values whatever they are and so that's why uh, Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free right we've said this before but we're talking about truth today and we've said this before that that uh, what you believe to be true will seem true to you you know it's like that thing where you ever you ever thought somebody like you know it could be something so small but you know it's like you're you're uh, like somebody you work with you know you, you're just your your hammer's missing or something and or your your stapler or your favorite pen or whatever it may be and for some reason you just go I know Joe was looking at that pen and I think Joe took my pen you know and 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 then and then Joe comes around. You know, and he and he's and he's and he's talking. You're talking to Joe, and and you're like, see how Joe keeps looking away. See how Joe keeps looking away and looking at the ground when we talk. He's guilty because he took my favorite pen. You know, and then and then you know, and it's like everything Joe does is a confirmation of what you know to be true. That man, you took my favorite pen, and then all of a sudden you dig in the bottom of your bag, and there's your favorite pen. It was there the whole time. And you realize that what you were so convinced of was actually all evidence. It seemed like evidence, but it wasn't true at all. And and so you were you were completely believing something that wasn't founded in truth. And in this case, it would be reality. Because when we talk about truth, truth is reality, but truth is much deeper than uh, correct facts. Right, we're going to get into that. And, um, and so what you believe to be true will seem true to you. Now, there's a spirit of this age that's out there that, that wants to say that whatever you believe to true, it, whatever you believe to be true is true for you. But that's absolutely a lie because, I mean, I can believe 100%. Like if I was colorblind, I could believe that a stop sign was some other color than red. But the fact is, that's my perception problem. It is what color it is. And it's unchangeable. And so truth is unchangeable. And truth is absolute. Or there is no truth. The very definition of truth is that it is absolute. And if 
and if truth is absolute and truth does exist, then there's only one truth because there can't be multiple truths about any certain, any given subject. And we're talking about the truth of God. And, um, and so we're going to get into that. Gosh, when you start looking into the word about truth, well, it's all truth. So you can really preach from anywhere. But, um, but I want to have a, I want to take a very, um, a very, uh, uh, simple text this morning. And most of you would know it. And it would be John 14, 6. We're going to start with that text. And, um, and go from there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are truth. And um, we thank you that you are absolute truth. We thank you that um, you're not a secret that is kept. But that actually you take great delight in revealing yourself to mankind. And that what you want most of all from people is that they would truly know you and love you back, worship you, acknowledge you for who you are, that you delight in being known. And so as we talk about truth this morning, Lord, we ask that your spirit of wisdom and revelation would be upon us. That God, we thank you for the word that it falls on hearts that are that are the soil of our hearts that is mixed with faith, ready to receive this living word that goes in and it is living and it is active. And when we go out from here today, it is such a powerful spiritual word, your word, that even if our minds don't remember all the points, yet the Word of God accomplishes what it is set out to do. And so we receive that Word into our hearts today, God. And we thank You. Lead us, guide us, and I pray that You will show us, Lord, how this truth applies to our lives and the world around us today to make a difference in the earth for your glory. It is all about you, Jesus. We love you. We acknowledge you. We worship you. And we surrender in Jesus' name. And we say the great amen. I was going to say, yeah, you're right. That's church people. You know what to say. I love that. Uh, but I was going to say the great prayer of a man, a great evangelist, Donnie Moore, who's with Jesus now. He is to pray a profound prayer. Every time before he preached and he would say, let's pray. God, help. Amen. And then he would, <laughs> that was amazing. Anyway, so that's our prayer today. Praise God. Let's read this verse. It's very simple. Uh, and Jesus. So. Um, so it was an answer to something that Thomas said in verse five of chapter 14 in John. He said and, and uh, Thomas said, Lord. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And I always love how Jesus answers the question you should have asked. You know, it's just his grace. He's like, you need help. You don't even know what to ask, Thomas. Let me help you. 
And so he's like, we don't know where you're going. He's speaking very practically, very natural uh, focus. And Jesus said, told him, here's the verse today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I don't know how much each of us are in tune with the world around us today. About what is happening in the world. The battle that's raging. But I will tell you, it isn't a new battle. But it is raging. And, uh, and the, let me, the good news is, it is one. We know the end. We know how this ends. It's not up in the air. Who's going to win? Right? Jesus already won on the cross. I love it. You know, uh, Fenton said as we were painting together yesterday, he's like, I'm so glad we don't have any enemies. I'm like, just one. He goes, but he already lost. <laughs> well, that was actually the day we were loading the trailer, the day before. I'm like, I know, it's amazing. Isn't it, uh, isn't it good to know that you really, truly only have one enemy and he's defeated? <laughs> the best kind of enemy is a defeated one. And, um, and so, uh, and yet, as he goes down in flames, he's looking to drag folks with him. And, um, and so there's this battle that's happening in our nation and all over the world today. And it is a battle over truth. And, and if you look at, and if you watch what God has been doing in His church globally in our lifetime, and really you can look all the way back to Genesis and you can see that God has been on a mission to bring mankind to Himself. This is what He, he created mankind for Himself. And then there was a fall. And immediately after the fall, he began to pursue mankind to bring mankind back to himself. And that, that's, that's what's happened. And that's what is happening. But there's this battle over truth. And you can see it. Because our society is wrestling over issues that you literally are going, are we seriously talking about this as though it's unresolved? Are we actually wondering if we're boys or girls now? Hear my heart. I am kind of going there. I get that. But like, hear my heart. I have the, oh gosh, we love people. And wherever they are on their journey, we, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And, and, and he, he'll, he, and his arm is so, so long and so able to reach that no one is beyond his reach. There's nobody too confused for God to straighten out. There's nobody too corrupt for God to, to bring to the truth and to make, because here's the thing. New creation pretty much fixes whatever was wrong. Whatever was wrong. He's like, God, uh, I got an answer for that. It's called new creation. You're brand new. If any old things are passed away, everything is new. It's like you've never been made before. 
Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. So you get born again. And so, so hear my heart on that. You would know that if a person was actually struggling with an identity issue, what do we do? We love them and we speak to them about God's love for them. And we declare the truth of God to them. That Christ is the answer. Right? And so we love them where they're at. So I'm not talking about individuals who are struggling. What I'm talking about are societal conversations over issues that are not really issues. In other words, they're settled. Has anybody noticed this happening? Right? And then there's all this, the divider, the enemy is at work to divide because now if you, if you stand up for the truth about something, God's truth, then, then, the, then they tell you you're afraid of it. In other words, God loves all people. God loves, homos- God loves people in a homosexual lifestyle. God loved me when I was living in all kinds of sin. And, and just a, uh, he loved me while I was really sinning. He just loved me. You know? And, um, but, if you, but in our society today... If you stand up for a truth and you say, actually, this is right and this is wrong. Then someone says, oh, you're, you have a phobia. It is the greatest cop out of all time. It's, it's like, no, this is right and this is wrong. And they go, oh, you're afraid of it. You're homophobic. You're Islamophobic. You're... Whatever it is, you just add phobic to it. If you disagree with me, that means you're afraid of what I believe. Like, no, actually. And and it also means you hate me. You hate me and you're afraid of what I believe. And I'm like, no, actually, God loves you. I love you. I'm not afraid of your beliefs. I just know the truth. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> Are we on the same page? And so, and, and so what I'm doing right now is I'm just simply saying, like, let's just acknowledge the elephant in the room and look at the picture. Let's paint the picture and let's look and see where we are today. But here's the good news. Wherever we are, the timeless truth of God is still the answer. But what the enemy has sought to do, because he knows that, because what did Paul say? He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And so and so what the enemy has sought to do instead is begin to work on the on the minds of Christians. And so it's important in these days, like never before, that you and I know who we believe, who we are because of who he is, and why we believe those things. In other words, show me in here. Show me in here. Because what we actually have is some Christians are actually seeking to redefine what is in here because of what is in here. 
there are, this is, this is, this is one of the things the enemy is really seeking to do in the church. Now, hear my heart. I've got no problem with the world acting like the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, when people are dropping the F-bomb, it doesn't like, it doesn't like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't like, oh, threaten my salvation or, or shake my identity in God. If, if, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, if people are like on the street corner or just, and they're just, the alcohol is just, whoa, hey, you know, talking to you and they're, they're drunk or, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, whoa, that's overwhelming. But you know, like, I've been there. I was that guy. So, like, I, but I'm like, that doesn't bother me at all. And actually, I'll tell you the truth. It's one of my favorite places to be. I love being around unbelievers because I love to be a light in those places. Sometimes when I'm around unbelievers and you're like, it's all the smells that go along with that lifestyle of, you know, the things that are, you know, and, and the, the, the language and subject matter and the raw and the, and the way it is. I'm like, these are the people we're called to. I'm not offended by a, by, by somebody who doesn't know God acting like they don't know God. I expect them to act like they don't know God because they don't know God. And it, it like, and before I was transformed, I would be, gosh, I would be the same. I don't know if I'd be alive. I'd probably be worse. I don't know how you evaluate that. But let me tell you what I do, what does concern me, is when believers begin to believe like the world. And when believers begin to redefine things like whether there's eternal judgment, whether certain lifestyles are acceptable or not acceptable, when all you have to do is read. Read this. Let me tell you something. Truth is absolute. And truth is a person. And that person is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit through this book. This book. If you love Jesus, you love this book. And if you love, when, when you love Jesus, like we all do, right? When I read this, it cuts me to the heart sometimes. And it is beautiful. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you ever have the Lord just get you? And, you know, he just speaks to you. But it's like, you know, people people speak about God as, you know, it's like he's heavy-handed and mean. and I mean, he's not. But but I, I will tell you, there are times that he does cut you to the heart. You know, and you go, but, but it's such a beautiful experience that you're like, oh, say it again, God. Say it again. God, tell me that again. Oh, Lord. God, I can see that I haven't been seeing it your way. Thank you for speaking to me. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, I believe that in this day that God is actually touching his church and calling her to a boldness in these times. You know, because what's happened is there's been a pendulum swing and there it's 
It's happened all through history. And history is his story. Really, when you look at history, the reality is, is that when you see the, how the church and the, how, how mankind has been brought along by God, it's like, man, there's been times when, when mankind is, and, and us personally in our own lives even would walk through certain seasons and you're like, I don't even know what happened in that. You know, it's like some of those seasons, God's just like, we're moving forward. You know, he just like grabs you. You're like, I don't know what's going on around me. You know, and you know that about seasons of your life, but you, but we can also look back in history. I mean, can you, can you imagine living in London during the World War when it looked like the world was on fire? Every, every great building was demolished and you're like, how are we going to make it through? And yet, God. And so, let me stop and say, we have such a radical hope in the times we live in that, because we're talking about truth and I've been talking about another agenda, it's important to realize that what this, this courage and this boldness that God is calling us to, to speak truth to one another and to those around us, listen, we can do it full of hope, knowing that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. Amen? We, we can actually laugh and smile along the way. And we can take joy and courage as we, as we continue on. But let's, let's, uh, let's continue here. Truth is a person. So there's a boldness that God is rekindling in his people in this time. The pendulum swing. When you look at Christianity, especially like in the Western world, because that's our context, isn't it? Like, I mean, we have this context, the word of God, right? But then our life experience, how we walk with God in the gospel. And you look, at least in the, in the Christian history that we ourselves can see through reading books and, and hearing the stories, what we see is how God at different times will emphasize different values. And the reason he emphasizes those values is not because they're more important than his other values, but because that particular value has fallen too low. And so we call it revival. And so there's been healing revivals. You need to remember that I heal. So he raises up healers. You need to remember that I speak. So he raises up prophets. You need to remember that I care about the lost. So then he emphasizes, you know, Billy Grahams and Billy Sundays and, and, and so God continues to emphasize so that his entire kingdom can be established and be on display. And one of the pendulum swings that we've seen is because a couple decades ago now, uh, in the late 90s, mid 90s actually, there was a move of God that touched, I think, all of us here today radically altered us and actually here's the thing with moves of God they actually eventually um, what what's cutting edge and kind of radical eventually goes across the body of Christ and just becomes mainstream and so even people that rejected revivals those movements still end up getting affected it's amazing if you look at it and um, and so that's part of his story 
one of the things that happened in the renewal, it was they called it the Father's blessing. They called it a few different things. Was that that it was the it was the reminder that God is good, and God is love, and God is a Father, and He loves us, and He's wild about us, and He doesn't want to condemn us. He wants to love us. Oh, it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. Oh, he's so good. And so many people laid on the ground and just laughed and cried as the love of God would overwhelm us. Right. And and so and so God had to remind the church who kind of had become a little. Well, at least she had a name for being harsh. Lots of picket signs and. You're going to burn and, you know, you'd have bumper stickers like if you're living like there's no hell, you'd better be right with flames coming up from the bottom. You know, countless people came to the Lord because of that bumper sticker. I'm uh, just kidding. I don't know. if it, God can use anything, but I'm just saying. And um, and so and so the pendulum swing that I believe when I begin to take a pulse here is that when you talk to Christians and it's changing radically now. But when you would talk to believers, there was almost this idea that if any, if you spoke the truth to somebody and they thought you were awkward or they didn't receive the truth of the gospel when you shared Jesus with them or they were even, heaven forbid, offended, then then you as the Christian had done something wrong. That you were lacking love. This accusation. Would come towards the believer. Well, you're lacking love. Oh, you're being a Bible thumper. Oh, you're being condemning. And, and, and so I believe that God is reminding us of other truths to go along with this foundation because the kingdom of God is line upon line and precept upon precept. And so one aspect of God's kingdom does not cancel out another. And that's why it says in the scripture, let us know, and this is the key today, let us know both the kindness and the severity of God. Because if you believe that God, right, because if it's only the kindness, then God just becomes your good buddy. But he's God. Whoa, he's holy. People in glorified bodies can't sit around him without hitting the deck over and over because he's just too holy. There's angels who are created to live. They're created for the purpose of living around the throne and they can't even look at him. They can't look at him. They cover their eyes. He's, oh, he's so holy. But when all you understand is the severity of God, how holy he is, then you become like the children of Israel who said, don't let him speak to us, we're going to die. And you end up living out of a law-based Christianity without any intimacy with this good, good father. And so we have to understand that the truth of God is a whole truth. That God is both so kind and the most intense being that you will ever know. That, that you actually can't even look at him and yet he loves you so much he finds a way to make it so that you can see him. 
This is our God. And so Christians, though, have fallen for this lie that if I share if I share the message with somebody, which, by the way, I've heard people say, you know, it's like, well, uh, and and somebody was famous for, for saying this years ago, like, you know, preach the gospel all day long and when necessary, use words. Well, again, I think that's a message that goes to a church that needs to understand that you're talking a lot, but you're not living much. So maybe like live it. Let that message you speak affect you first. You know, like that's what Keith Green saying, right? He's like, I want to take your word and spread it all around. But first help me just to live it, Lord. You know, and um, and so. All right. So let me tell you this. Let me encourage you. Oh, this, is, this is so good. I'm excited about this. I want to tell you this. It's so good. The type of reception that the truth receives does not affect its validity. And this is why it's important to know the truth. Because... Our goal is not a popularity contest. It is to glorify Christ. And Jesus said, blessed are they who are not offended because of me. Right? So that means people can be offended at Jesus. And you're like, well, you share the truth and you offended them. You must not have love. Well, if I did have love and I told them the truth and they got offended and they're offended at Jesus... And all I did was spread the seed like the sower that went out to sow. And I can't help the soil it landed on. I'm throwing it everywhere. It's actually not my job. The soil's not my job. The seed's my job. Sower went out to sow. Oh, you're mad. That one hit you in the forehead. Well, I'm just sowing everywhere. Don't take it personal. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's like sorry, you're upset. I'm just, I'm just throwing these things everywhere. Don't worry about it. It's not personal. Ah, oh, I got one in my eye. Well, you... Adjust. So, I don't know. Or talk to the Lord about it. You know, I don't know. And, and so the type of reception that the truth receives does not affect its validity. Oh, how many feel the load come off of you at that statement? That my, I just get to shine light, spread the truth, be Christ to the world around me, let the river flow out of my belly and let everybody else work it out with God. Now, if they're offended at me because they cut me off in the car and I'm like, yeah, and then there's a Jesus fish on my bumper, you know. It's like, you know, I get it. It's like, okay, well, there's no blessing for that. I just need to repent for that one. You know, that's okay. But you hear my heart. So let me say it this way. The type of soil that the seed lands on does not determine the power or viability of the seed itself. It's basically the same thing stated a different way. The seed is incorruptible. And we throw it everywhere. And there is some soil that is mixed with faith, right? We all we know about the parable of the sower. We know about the different soils. There's some is rocky. Some, some, sometimes it falls among weeds. 
How many have seen these along the way? You bring someone in, they, you rejoice because they spring up quickly, and then cares of life come in and something happens. Or what did we do wrong? And you're like, I don't know. We do everything we can do. We pursue them. We go after them. But that's the only part I can do. I can plant and I can water. But what I'm saying is, is that I believe that God is calling his church to an unashamed boldness like never before and not to be intimidated with this lie that if somebody doesn't like you, you've done something wrong. You know? I mean, just read this. Actually, the Bible, there's a promise. Paul told Timothy, he gave him a promise. You know, we all love promises. How about this promise? All who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. <laughs> Praise the Lord! I mean, you know, and, and, and how many know there's levels of that, right? When you look up the word persecution, it doesn't actually ne- necessarily mean that you are killed or beaten or thrown in prison, although that is extreme persecution. And there are believers today paying that price. And that's good for us to remember. We can remember our brothers and sisters. But it can also be a much lighter version. In other words, so-and-so in the workplace just always trying to sabotage me and get under my skin because I'm a Christian. You know? How many have experienced that? I, I totally have. I always just take it, I always thought of it as a great opportunity to win them. It's just so fun. Well, I'm just going to love you. You know, that's all right, man. So good. It's fun. I've got some stories of that. But when you see it turn around, it's cool, you know. But whether it does or not, here's the thing. It's important that we don't allow anything in the world to cause us to put a basket over our life. That God is calling us. And he's actually imparting to his church. That's actually important part of it. Because it says in John 1 that grace and truth were revealed in Jesus Christ. You know what's amazing about that? Grace and truth. Because truth is the standard and grace is the enabler. Isn't that powerful? Because the law was true. The Bible says that the law of the Lord is perfect. Okay, so the law was true, but all it could do is bring death. Because, not because there's something wrong with the law, but because there's something wrong with you and me apart from Christ. And what's wrong with us is that we can't do it. Because <laughs> we're not righteous apart from Him. And so in Christ... He came, and the truth was not only declared, but revealed in his life. This is, this is what it looks like in flesh and blood. Here I am. I'm healing, I'm forgiving, and I'm busting the chops of the Pharisees, and I'm telling the truth, and I'm calling a woman out at the... I'm loving her, but I'm also saying, yeah, you've had lots of them. 
We've had lots of guys, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And, 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 and when Christians who are judging say it, then we hurt people. But somehow when Jesus said it, her life was changed. Because she felt seen but loved. And imagine the tremble, the holy, and what she experienced, I believe, there with Christ was what we're talking about right here. The kindness and the severity. In other words, you're busting me right now about my lifestyle. And, and, and I can tell by the way you said it that, I, you know what, it's not okay the way I've been living. It's not your way. But when you say it, I feel loved by you. I feel drawn by you. I look into your eyes and I can see that you're not, you're not hating me. You're not judging me. But how many know sometimes you can have the love, the grace, and there's still a different reception. But what you can know is that when you walk away, you threw some seeds. And God is watching over that seed. So God, He's wanting to sharpen He's doing a sharpening work in his people about the truth in this day. Opposition. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like declaring this over us. Or, I just think it's encouraging because it's, you know, opposition and ridicule is a part of walking with God. It's not a sign necessarily that you're not loving well. It might be a sign that your light's actually shining. And it's bright enough. You ever, you know, when you're in a dark room and then someone opens the window real bright? Oh, man, it hurts my eyes. It's offensive. Well, it's light. Nothing wrong with the light. It's just that my eyes are adjusting. And so what we do is because we go, I don't want you to feel unloved. You just got to have your love on. You just got to have your love on. That's key. Here's the thing. This is actually, this is one of my points. The truth without love is not the truth. It's the law. It's facts, maybe. But it's not the truth. The truth without love is not the truth. And love without the truth is not love. It's not love. And, and we've got Christians who have like falling for this, this lie where it's just like, well, did you know your brother was struggling with such and such? Oh, yeah, but I'm just loving him. Not if you're close to that brother and you didn't talk to him about it. You're not loving him. That's loving him the same as if. You know, on the course that you do the blind walk, it's so cool. Oh, I have so many testimonies from that blind walk where one person wears a blindfold and the other one has to lead them without using any verbal cues. And you take them all over all kinds of terrain and everything. But you know, if, if somebody's got the blindfold and they're walking and then there's like, a, like, you know, like a log and then a huge ditch behind it and you're like, you know, I just wanted to love him. I, he was walking toward the log in the ditch, but I just wanted to love him, you know. 
Well, love would keep him from tripping over the log and falling into the ditch. Or at least trying. Like, I've had friends where I'm like, man, I don't want to say it. I don't want to talk to you. But I'm going to give an account to God for how I love you someday. And I actually do love you. So if you don't talk to me for a while because I talk to you now, at least I'll know that I did everything I could do. It's the, the Proverbs calls it the faithful slap of a friend. You know, it's like, it's like, well, because I love you. And this is God. This is how God deals with you and me. This is the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we're not walking in truth in an area of our life. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And you go, oh, God's being so hard on me. Oh, my gosh. No, he's being so gracious. Because do you realize that the greatest judgment would be that God would be silent to you and leave you to your own devices? Because there's a way that seems right to a man. We come up with it in our minds. This is what seems right to me. And if I were God, it would be this way. But guess what? You can think that all you want. And in the end is death and destruction. And love, the love of God, see what I'm saying? The love of God is when he draws near to us and he disciplines us like he's, he treats us like we're his child. And he says, hey, come here. Oh, Lord, I see. Change my heart, touch my life. And you get sharpened and clean. And then it feels so good. And then you tell a brother or a sister, you know, that's the key. Get in the light. And then, and then after that, you just feel so free. Because you're like, nobody's got anything on me. It's good. So we don't expect the world to model truth. Right? Somebody said, somebody said, uh, it's been said so many times, but, you know, a ship in the ocean, no problem. Ocean in the ship, big problem. We're the ship of truth. The church is, we, we are the ship of truth in the ocean of the world. The problem is, is when too much ocean gets in the ship and the ship starts looking like the ocean. I mean, that's none of us. I'm just saying, you know, it's possible. And so it's important that in this, in closing, God wants to give you and me a grace and a boldness Not that we would become judgmental. Heavens, no. And it never changed anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like condemning somebody never, ever changed anybody's life for good. Never pulled one person out of a ditch. It's never saved anybody. But speaking the truth in love is how we've all been saved. And we're called to live the way he has been toward us. Right? We were sinners, but he loved us. And he revealed the truth. And he called us to himself. But what happened? My life changed. Right? So truth changes the life. And it's important that, um, because we're, we're seeing, if you get, I don't know, maybe some of you are like, just stay off Facebook and social media, I don't know. But, but what you're seeing is Christian conversations and debates where this, what's, what I'm thinking in here, is reshaping what's been written in here for all this time. And unless God changed, 
which he says, I change not. <laughs> then, here's the thing. We can fall for the lie of a more relevant gospel, or we can remember that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it, even though it cuts against the grain of this world, because that's where the power is. The power is not in the sameness, it is in the difference. Amen? I mean, you are stirred up. And so, would you stand, please? And so here's what I would, this is some practical, here's real practical, right? We got to know, we got to know what's in this book. Do we have to have memory verse competitions? No, we don't. Andrea said we do. Okay. Maybe we do. No, we we don't. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, are we judging... Are we going to have like good Christian competitions by how much Bible we each know? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is we feast here. And we remember that everything in here is true. Even if it seems unpopular today. Because Jesus never was about a popularity contest. He came to seek and save those who were lost. Isn't that amazing? And he actually said, and sometimes, like, I, you know, I remember I had a fellow, I'll just tell you, I'm not, I think you know me by now. I, I had a friend, we worked in the same place together, and, um, and he kind of, in some ways, uh, was calling me out. I don't call calling me out, but he was seeing something a certain way differently than I was seeing it, and and he felt like, oh, well, I, I had a reputation for being a Christian in that in the place that we worked in, and um, and uh, I consider that a great compliment. And it wasn't because I stood up and made an announcement. It was because as I worked alongside people and I had an opportunity to throw a seed, I'd throw a seed. And if somebody's back hurt, I'd pray for them and God would heal them. And, and, you know, st- and, and stuff, you know, stuff would happen is just we're living the normal Christian life. And, but that also can make some people feel uncomfortable because now God's among us. And that, you know, God, he has a way of stirring up your comfort level. And, and, uh, and, um, and so he was like, well, you know, I forget how he said it, but he was kind of basically thinking that I was doing something wrong, you know. But I hadn't judged anybody. I hadn't condemned anybody. All I'd done was love and tell the truth. And, and, and by tell the truth, I mean share Christ, right? I wasn't, and I've never, like, said, I've never said to an unbeliever ever, like, well, you know, you shouldn't be drinking so much. Never done that. Because, like, if you don't know Christ... All right. And I just said to him, I was like, well, bro, what are you saying? I mean, sharing the Lord is making some people uncomfortable. Cool. I I think that's encouraging. But other people are being really blessed. 
And they're, they're just a blessing in the progress anyway. They're, the discomfort's just a part of your way to life. You know? Okay. And so I just believe in this day, you know, it's important to remember that truth is not only, it's timeless. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. And there's actually Christians who are like, well, maybe the Bible is a little archaic. Maybe everything written in there doesn't really. Maybe we're evolving. No. Who? We're not evolving. That's called being conformed to the world. We've been warned about that. That's in here too. Be transformed. And so let's feast on truth together. And I just believe God is releasing to us a boldness in this day. To be bold in our love and to share the truth. And that really is what is going to see. We're going to see a harvest in this area. In Trinity County. In Weaverville. I know I said I'm closing. Let's make this part the prayer. I'm going to talk to you, but it's. I'm just saying, like, when I go into Holiday Market, when I walk around, I'm like, I see young families. I don't know if they have a church. I don't know if they know the Lord, but they're here. There's 4,000 of us here. There's not nearly enough churches right now to hold us all. That means there's lots of people out there. Who belong here? And all it really takes is us partnering with him and throwing the seed and letting him do the rest. And then, and then we, in, we work on the stewardship part. How do we serve you in it, God?